spend a little bit of time in the book of Acts, and uh, then we'll, we'll be dismissed. So let's go ahead and let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for your son, Jesus Christ, who's come and died on the cross for our sins, who was buried, rose again on the third day. We thank you so much for all that you've done in our life and the amount of work that you've done on each of our hearts, that we are now new creatures in your son, Jesus Christ. As we think about how we are witnesses of the resurrection to a community around us, we pray, Father, that the first and most important thing and most important message that's on our mind is that message of Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection, and that salvation and life is found in you, found on the basis of faith, and that your word is is what teaches us about this faith. We pray, Father, that you would uh, open our eyes uh, and and cause us to, to see, illuminate the text so that we may understand the glorious things that are found here. We thank you and love you in your son's name. Amen. So for the past month uh, for our resurrection series, we've been talking about how we talk about the resurrection to those around us. And we've been looking at Acts chapter 2. Remember at the beginning in Acts chapter 2, in the first 13 verses, we talked about the importance of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that really to be a witness of the resurrection to a community around us, it's important that we're yielding to the Spirit, that we're walking by the power of the Spirit. Before we even begin to think about how we talk to others about the resurrection and how it changes our life, it should already have been changing our life, right? And the evidence of that by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Apart from walking by the Spirit and having and yielding to the power of the Spirit, we really don't have much of a witness then in, in uh, verse 14 to, uh, where was it, to verse 36, we talked about the example, right? What are some of the things that we're supposed to say? What are some of the things that we're supposed to look to? And we looked at Peter's example of talking about the resurrection. Uh, in that sermon, I, I kind of shared why I picked this particular text. You might think it's strange that an apostle talking to a Jewish crowd at that particular time, would have any bearing on us today or anything to do with us today. And as I shared, I I think that there's a lot of similarities between the situation that Peter's stepping into and the situation that we we find ourselves here in Astoria. Then last week, we looked at verse 37 to 41, where we started to talk about that uh, evangelistic, what, what it looks like, the, the clarity of the gospel. And as we talk to those on the outside, how, how we need to have clarity, absolute clarity in the gospel message. Uh, this is not a message that should be confusing. This one should be very clear. We're going to look at the last part of this witness. And you might look at this and go, but Caleb, this isn't really talking about the witness of the resurrection and verse 42 to verse 47 at the end. How is this part of the witness? How is this part of a resurrection witness? Just remember, if the resurrection is true, there should be results in our life. And if we believe that the resurrection is true, and you've experienced the power of the resurrection, there should be a change, not a little one should be a big one. 
right? And if we believe it is true, and it's something that is something that we, we hold as axiomatic, everything else is built on top of it, then shouldn't our lives reflect that when we're talking to those on the outside and the way that we talk to ourselves on the inside? See, the witness is an entire life. When we talk about our witness to a community, we're talking about this complete, total witness in every area. Me on the inside, yielding to the power of the Spirit, the message that I'm talking about, the way that I talk to those on the outside, and the way that we talk to each other on the inside. This is all part of that witness, of that resurrection witness. You can't have just a couple parts. We need to have the whole thing. So we're going to look at this witness. We could call this the edifying witness of the church as we deal with ourselves and as we talk amongst ourselves about the resurrection. And what does that look like in a body of people that believe in the power of Jesus and the resurrection and is affected by the reality of this truth? What does that look like in our lives? Here, we have this brilliant example. We're going to see five things from this text briefly. Um, the first thing that we're going to see in verse 42 is we're going to see that the church in, their, in our edifying witness adheres to some pretty important things. Notice verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Kind of interesting how he starts off here, Luke, as he's describing the church. This is is what they just naturally did. I think this is what the Spirit moved for them to do. I think this is the the, the example of the apostles as they learned from Jesus. I think it's a combination of all these things. And Luke describes this in verse 42 as they devoted themselves. This word means to go towards something with might, uh, with strength, with consistency. Okay, so this is their consistent ongoing behavior, and, and, and it's, it's much more than just this is a description of what they did. It's almost as if in their mind it was, this is what we have to do. We have to be committed to this. We have to continually be committed to these things. These are the goals. This is what we're about. And so notice, as Luke describes this, I notice that he starts off first with talking about the They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The the apostles' teaching about Jesus. The apostles' teaching of what they learned from Jesus. The apostles' teaching from what was found in the scriptures. That was was paramount to them. It it has to be that. That has to be the foundation, right? It has to be the foundation of everything. Everything has to build off of the teaching of the apostles. Notice the next thing that they're devoted to. It's to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Here's this group of people that are dedicated to what the apostles are teaching. They're dedicated to the message of Jesus. They're dedicated to the resurrection. And and what do they do? What are they devoted to? Spending time with each other. Spending time with each other, fellowshipping and breaking bread. That's kind of an interesting phrase, by the way, that they're fellowshipping and breaking bread. The word here for fellowship has this idea of Stuff in common has this idea of sharing, has this idea of, of, of linking arms with people and moving together. It has this idea of togetherness. 
sometimes when we talk about fellowship, we, we think it's just simply just hanging out, just simply getting together. And there, there's value in just hanging out, right? That, that, that's good. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But fellowship is on the basis of some common shared thing that is always talked about. And for us as believers, fellowship is not just we happen to live in the same city and we happen to have the similar political views and similar theological views, and so we might as well just hang out with each other. It's inevitable. To us, the thing that is shared is the fact that God has intervened in our life, that God has made us new creatures in Christ, that we are saved by the power of Jesus, and we experience that resurrection power. And so when we come together, we are sharing that common heritage of Jesus, right? I mean, that's the basis. It's all about Jesus. And so as they're constantly with each other and, 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 and encouraging one another to live for Jesus, encouraging one another to continue in the apostles' teaching, encouraging one another to, to stay true to the course, they're also dedicated to this other thing. Notice, they're dedicated to the prayers, They're dedicated to prayer. This church, this early church, was about getting together, listening about Jesus, listening to the apostles, what the apostles taught, encouraging one another, helping one another, edifying one another, and then talking to God. That's what they're about. This is what they were dedicated to. This is what we're going to do. When we're together, this is what we're about. It's kind of interesting in a lot of modern churches, if you were to say, what is church about when we gather together, and what should we as a church be dedicated to based off the resurrection, I imagine there will be a very long list from many people of, well, we need to have this, we need to have that, we need to have this, we need to have that. Here, the example here is, nope, give us the apostles' teaching. Give us the word. That's what we're about, the word. Why? Because it tells us about that resurrection of Jesus. It tells us about Jesus. It tells us about that teaching. It encourages us. It's the basis of everything that we do. It's about being together with believers, encouraging believers, sharing what we have in common. And it's about spending time talking to the Lord together, praying. That's, that's what church is about. That's, that, that's what an that's what effective witness looks like when we're together. If the resurrection is true and the resurrection has affected your life, this should be something that is part of your life, that you should be dedicated to. You should be dedicated to these things. These things should be on the forefront of your mind. Now notice there's something else that happens. Notice verse 43. It says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Here you have this sense of reverence, Clearly, this is talking about those on the inside and outside because it says every soul. And though there are not signs and wonders today being done through people inside of the church like they were being done here, remember that signs and wonders were given to substantiate the message. And so you needed the apostles to do this to demonstrate that they are the spokesmen of God, that they truly are these true witnesses. But, but it's that result that I think is really important. It's that they were in awe. They were filled with awe. There needs to be reverence for what God does in the lives of other people. We, we need to have this awesome respect for God. This is one of those things, right? We see the power of the resurrection in, in, in each other's lives, and we should just sit back in just reverential awe. 
that God is working in the lives of our brothers and sisters around us. We should be in reverential awe anytime we hear anybody coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. We should sit back and, and, and marvel at the greatness of God. We should sit back and marvel at the greatness of the gospel and that the resurrection changes lives. That, 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 that should be something that causes pause and reflection and meditation of thinking about, wow, think about that incredible power, something that we're not capable of doing, he does, and we get a chance to see it. This is part of that witness of the resurrection. Notice the next thing in verse 44 and 45. For us to have an evangelistic witness to those on the outside, there needs to be affection for each other. Love. Isn't it amazing how many times the New Testament tells us to love one another, referring to us inside of the church? What did Jesus say? They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. This is a mark, a, a testimony that Jesus has affected our life. This is, a, this is the power of the resurrection. The resurrection is so powerful that it changes my life and it allows me to love you and allows you to love me, to have that love for one another. Not, not, not like the world does, right? But Jesus can do this. I was talking with somebody today about college football, no surprise. Uh, and we were talking about our love for Big Ten football. And then I found out that he didn't love the same Big Ten football team that I did. That love turned very quickly to something else. College football can't bring love, right? These other things that we have can't bring love. No political party can bring the type of love that the resurrection can do, right? This is the power of the resurrection, that we love one another. And this love is so evidently seen. People look at it and go, there's something different about that group. There's something they have that we can't recreate. So just notice the description of this love, uh, verse 44. And it says, all who believed were together together. And had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings. And distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now don't think of this as like a Christian communism. Because that's not what's happening here. You know what's happening? You have people who have resources. They see somebody who's a believer who has a need. And they say, I can fill that need. I can do it. And, and they're taking their possessions. And they're selling their possessions. It, it says... People are more important than my things. And, and encouraging my brother and sister is more important than my things and the things that I have. The things that God's given me, they're meant to encourage. They're meant to help. And here are these people in serious need, and I can help them. I can help in that need. I can do that. I can do that. This type of love has been often been tried to be recreated through other means, through political means, through coercion, through high-mindedness, through books. You can't create this. Only, only the power of the resurrection can do this. And this is a powerful witness of love between people. Notice the next thing that happens here in the next verse. Notice this in, incredible, sorry, 
my notes just blocked up. Um, there are three fears that a pastor has. All three of them have to do with his notes not acting the way they're supposed to. Uh, and that happened. So, um, no, the next one is notice this. Notice the unity that the church has. Notice in verse 46, this unity, this alliance, right? This alliance that they have, verse 46. And day by day, attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they were receiving their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God. You see that day after day? They were together all the time, all the time. Now, it would be easy for us to be very legalistic here and to say only true believers will meet up with true believers every day. That's a very legalistic thing to say. I, I don't think legalism helps in this matter of things of the Spirit. I don't think licentiousness helps either. So this is what, I was going to, this is what I'm going to say. I believe that a believer should have the desire to hang out with other believers all the time. I think that should be a desire that should be in our hearts. As your pastor, I encourage you to show up to every single thing you can that's offered here at the church. Because I think it's helpful. I think it's helpful. I I think throughout the week, you need constant encouragement to live for the Lord. I I would encourage you to do that. Do I sit back and go at the door on Wednesday going, well, so-and-so isn't here. Demerit. So-and-so isn't here. Demerit. You think I get upset on Sunday night when there's only a few people, but I see a couple people on live stream and I take down their names? I'm going to remember when they say, hey, pastor, I need prayer. I'll say, remember that one time you didn't show up? No. Prayer denied. No. We're a family. I understand things go on in your life. I understand that there's circumstances that might preclude you from coming to a midweek service. I want you here. I I want all of you here all the time. I I wish you were here all day with me. Maybe. Um, (laughs) But I want you here. And and, and I'm talking to many of you. I know that many of you want to be here. Amen for that. As a church, we should want to be together. That should be our desire. We should be wanting to come together. And notice, here's the early church. They're together. And what are they doing? They're attending the temple together. They're worshiping together. There's this, there's this effort to worship. And, and, and that word for together, oh, it's a beautiful word. You know what it means? It means they have the same passion. That's what the word here means, together. They were together. It means they have the same passion. That's what true unity is. That's what true alliance is. We have the same passion. It's not college football. It's not any of these other things. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel. That's what we have in common, the power of the gospel. And notice that because of this togetherness, there's this, I want to be around you. I want to worship with you. I want to break bread with you. I want to to be joyful with you. And, And notice that there's this generosity and this gladness. There isn't this begrudgingness of I guess we got to have so-and-so over. They're on the list. It's this, oh, I want to be with them. And, and then notice, oh, isn't this beautiful? And it says, and they're praising God together. What, what's their passion? They want God to be honored and glorified in their life. And they see even worshiping together as a part of that worship, eating together as part of that worship, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is all part of that worship. 
Notice what else happens. This is interesting. And it says, and they had favor with all the people. Now, this favor is going to be short-lived. Very short-lived. But, but, notice. What kind of PR campaign did they do? What kind of Facebook ads did they have? I mean, I mean how did they market themselves? What, what, what great things were they passing out? Nothing. You know what they did? They just acted like believers. Spirit-filled believers who were passionately in love with Jesus because Jesus changed their life. And they just loved on each other. And guess what? When people saw that, they said, that's great. They had a good testimony. This doesn't mean that, that all of them came to know the Lord. But it does mean that they had this very positive view of Christians. Wow, look, look at how they take care of each other. Later on in church history, we know that one of the reasons why it was so hard to have a sustained persecution against Christians in the Greek world was because many of the people who were meant to persecute the believers said, these people are really nice. And they're very loving. I really don't want to persecute them. That, that, that was a report over and over again. They love each other. They have a love we don't even know about. I don't know if I want to stop that. That's a good thing. But there's one last thing I want to show you. Something that is really important for us to remember. As a pastor, I am... I want everyone in our town, in our county, to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I want everybody to grow in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Obviously, I wish that there was a lot of people in every church all across the United States. That's my heart as a pastor, as a spiritual leader. But I also have to remember this. Jesus promised he was going to build his church. He uses me in that process. He uses you in that process. And we have to follow the process he lays down. I don't get chance to change the blueprints from the grand designer, right? I don't have that right. So it's Jesus who builds the church. It's Jesus who builds the local church. He does. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that he will be actively adding lots of new people to our local church. That doesn't mean that we can't become sinful and lose our testimony or Jesus says you know what this ministry at this time served its place and it no longer serves it's no longer service to me here he's a a sovereign lord he could do what he wants and so when I look at this next verse this gives me great hope to realize that it's the Lord who builds his church and it's not me it's not you It's it's not the things we do it's the Lord that builds the church It's the Lord who has a vested interest in his people. And this next verse really highlights that. Because notice what it says in the second part of verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day. So as I think about our witness, yes, should we share the gospel? Of course we should. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. I think the Greek word for that is duh. Yeah, of course you're supposed to. Are we supposed to get together and edify one another? Yeah, same Greek word. 
Of course we're supposed to do that. Are we supposed to be concerned about our neighbors who aren't believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? Of course. Are we supposed to pray for them? Of course we are. But take a great sigh of relief realizing this. The Lord's the one that builds the church and not you. He'll use you. Amen. But the people that are added to the church, that's his business. You are responsible to be responsible with the gift that's given. And that's it. All the rest is him. We don't have to come up with clever sales pitches to try to get people inside of the door. We don't have to do anything other than what is said here. This is our job. This is our purview. The rest is left up to him. Amen. He's really good at it. As Greg says, this is what he does. He does this. So this should be a great sigh of relief for us. All I got to do is share the message. All I got to do is what's asked of me, which is a big ask, but that's all I got to do. And the Lord will build his church. The Lord will add. This is the Lord's work. If it goes slow, if it goes fast, that's up to him. I'm to be obedient. And and notice what it says. It says that the Lord was adding to their number day by day. And then you got to love this. Those who were being saved. Those who are saved Those who are affected by the power of the resurrection. That's what happens. It's the message of the gospel. As the Lord works in their heart and they hear the power of the resurrection, what do they do? They believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, that he died on the cross for their sins, and they're trusting solely in the person and work of Jesus, realizing that the resurrection is the proof of that purchase, and they're trusting solely on Jesus. And the Lord then awakens their heart, and they are now part of the church, and they then, guess what they do? They get right into the church, and they're devoted to what? The apostles' teaching, hanging out, this love, and praying. I would love for there to be a great awakening here in Astoria this next year. That would be great. I pray for that. I I pray that many people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I I pray for that. You should too. There's nothing wrong with praying for that. You should pray that our town comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But sometimes the Lord doesn't necessarily answer that prayer. I mean, he, he, he always answers our prayers, but he doesn't do it in the way that we would think. And we pray, realizing that the Lord can change lives, and we pray, Lord, save our town, save our county, and help me be obedient in the midst of that and he will do what he does and amen for that if it's big amen if it's little amen if it doesn't look like anything's happening amen because it's his work it's to honor and glorify him not to honor and glorify us this is the witness this is what it looks like for our church to be a witness of the resurrection so let's pray together let's pray for our town Let's pray for our neighbors. Let's pray for our family members who don't know Jesus. Let's pray for us. Let's pray that we're a witness, a a biblical representation of what the Bible says. Let's pray for each other that we walk by faith and and that we walk according to the scriptures. Let's pray that we will adhere to the right things and that the message the most important message that's what we're about 
and that we would love one another and that we would applaud the work of God. So let's pray. Dear Father, we come before you. We thank you so very much for today. We thank you for the time that we've had to fellowship and time to think about the death, burial, resurrection of your son. We thank you for the songs that that remind us and teach us of these wonderful truths. that, That reminds us that death is no longer our master. And that death no longer has a sting because we have eternal life in Christ. Father, I pray for us as a church. It's very easy, as you know, for us to get distracted. Will you help us not be distracted? Will you help us be the type of witness that you want us to be? Father, we pray for our town. We pray for many people who do not know you. We pray, Father, that you would use us. Use us as a witness to share the gospel with our neighbors, with those across the street, with those in our town, with those whom we see every day at the grocery store, with the mailman, whatever. We pray, Father, that you would use us as a witness, that we would see the opportunities that you put in front of us, and that we, with boldness, would take those opportunities. We know, Father, that you can do incredibly great things. We, we know that the changing of people's hearts is, is very easy for you. And so, Father, we would ask that you would be kind to our county and that you would save many people in our county. We would ask that the whole county would become saved. And, Father, we would praise you and honor you and glorify you for every single person that we see that you've affected their life and you've changed their life. But, Father, we are asking that you would move mightily in us to be the type of believer that you would want. And we are asking and pleading that you would use us to share the gospel with those who don't know and that you would work in their hearts and bring about salvation in their lives. We are just so very thankful for the salvation that you brought about in our life. We are so very thankful that you constantly remind us that it's that our adequacy is not from you, or our adequacy is not of ourselves, excuse me, but it's from you, and that we live in this resurrection power. We thank you. We love you. We ask for a good rest of the day that we can marvel and celebrate your son's resurrection from the dead. We just thank you and love you in your son's name. Amen.